Guys, I thank God for you today. I want to just uh, lay a few things on your mind as we get ready to go forward because as we continue to move forward during this season that we're living in now, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Philippians, the third chapter. We've been talking about mindsets as we study this very important book. And we go to this third chapter of the book of Philippians, and we're going to uh, pick up our reading in verse number 15 there. But, and, and our subtopic today is, 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 is a question I'm going to ask you. Have you lost your mind? I'm going to say it again. Have you lost your mind? Uh, and you'll, you'll just bear with me in this when we flesh that out and understand what I'm trying to say. Because there's a positive side to that question, and there's also a negative side to that question. On the negative side, uh, the, back, y'all remember a few years ago, there was a rapper by the name of DMX who had a song that was real popular. You know, uh, you know it's real popular. I'm not saying I'm, I'm a rap listener, but, you know, I'm just going to share this with you. He says, uh, the, the, part of the, the major part of that song says, y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me go all out up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me act a fool up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me lose my cool up in here, up in here. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. That, 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 those lyrics of that word, of, of that song, uh, sometimes I think epitomizes uh, the way some people are in this world that we're living in right now, in this time that we live in. And even from the standpoint of us as believers in the house of God, in the church, we who are part of the body of Christ, if we're not careful, we can act a fool up in here. We can lose our mind. We can lose our cool up in here. So, guys, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, what, what happens is with a negative mindset, we can get to the point to where we, we flow like that and we're not, amen, representing God well in our, in our sphere, of influence, sphere of influence. One thing I, I know that people have lost their mind, because there, there's some stories that I, I just ran across here over the past week. Uh, in Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, the mayor had to, re- to to amend an emergency declaration requiring customers to wear face masks after store employees were threatened with physical violence and subjected verbal abuse. As a matter of fact, there was one case where they threatened them with gun violence because they were just simply asked to wear a face mask while shopping. Everybody say that person has lost their mind. Uh, in, in Antioch, California, a city official has been ousted after he suggested on social media that sick, old, and homeless people should be left to meet their natural course in nature during the coronavirus uh, pandemic. He characterized people uh, with weak immune system as a drain on society. Now, this is a public official, guys. He wrote on Facebook, the world has been introduced to a new phrase, herd mentality. Herd immunity, I'm sorry, which is a good one, he says. In my opinion, we need to adapt a herd mentality. A herd gathers its ranks. It allows the sick, the old, the injured to meet its natural course in nature. He says, as for homeless people, he added that the the virus would fix what is a significant burden on our society and resources that, that can be used. That's a public official. Everybody say he lost his mind. Uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, check this out. In Indianapolis, Indiana, a mail carrier was shot and killed over a person inside that home not getting their stimulus check from her deliveries. It came after their mail was stopped for about two weeks after the post carrier postman called on the owners of a dog to keep it away 
while she delivered the mail. So they wouldn't keep the dog away for delivering the mail. So they put a stop on it. We had to go to the post office and get their mail. And the guy, when she did come back around through that neighborhood, shot the lady and killed her because they were waiting on a stimulus check. Everybody said somebody's lost their mind. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It's, we're living, so, so that's a negative part of losing your mind. But, but there's also a positive side of it, and I'm going to give you some, some questions that I want you to ponder to kind of move you to the positive side of losing your mind. We live in a world where people, when they don't have any hope, they don't sense a, a, a future a way forward, they will lose their mind. But the Apostle Paul told us, uh, in Philippians 2 and 5, I believe it says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So he said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, which means, tells me that, that as a part of my walk as a born again believer, I need to lose my mind and take up the mind of Christ. Let me say that one more time. I like the way that sounds. I need to lose my mind and take up the mind of Christ. Let me give you some questions I want you to ponder. I'm calling these some thought-provoking questions to see where your mind is and how you can handle these thought-provoking questions. Question number one says, both enthusiasm and pessimism are contagious. How much of each do you spread? Next question. If someone were to pay you $10 for every kind word you spoke and collect $5 for each unkind word, would you be rich or poor? Good question, isn't it? Do you make others feel bigger or smaller when they are around you? If you have God's promise for something, isn't that enough? Next question. Are you willing to follow the truth no matter where it leads? Next question. How much has it cost you to worry about things that never happen? I want you to look at that person you sit next to right there in your living room and ask them, ask them these very same questions. How much has it cost you to worry about things that never happen? Next question. Do you go through a problem or try to go around it and never get past it? Look at your neighbor and ask them that. Do you go through a problem or try to go around it and never get past it? Next question, are you deliberately planning to be less than you are capable of being? I think I need to read that one one more time. Are you deliberately planning to be less than you are capable of being? Are you willing to give up what you have in order to become what you can be? I'm going to repeat that one. Are you willing to give up what you have in order to become what you can be? Do you look at the horizon and see an opportunity? Or do you look at into the distance and fear a problem? There's a lot of folks looking to the, in, into the horizon now and are fearing what the future holds. But I'm here to tell you right now, child of God, God wants the church to look into the future and see an opportunity rather than fearing a problem. There are a lot of churches who are fearful that, well, people are not coming to church. They've been out for two months. They may not come back when it's time to come back. Listen, I'm not fearing that. See, those who love God will not forsake the assembling of themselves together, as the man of some is, but they'll come together even more as they see the day approaching. Do you put off until tomorrow the things you've already put off until today? Oh, that's somebody right there right now. Do you put off until tomorrow the things you've already put off until today? And last question I want you to ponder over. Thought-provoking question. Do you see difficulties in every opportunity 
Or do you see opportunities in every difficulty? Good question. Do you see difficulties in every opportunity or do you see opportunities in every difficulty? Now, guys, I told you a few weeks back that our character as a person and who we really are comes to the surface in a crisis. And as a matter of fact, uh, Scripture shows us repeatedly that God oftentimes uses crisis to help transform us. When God wants to change us, he starts by getting our attention. Because we, you know, come on guys, we're really honest about it. There are times when, when we're not totally focused on the things of God. There are times when we as born again believers don't make God the preeminent focus of our life. We get focused in on monetary issues. We get focused in on relationship issues. And we'll take, amen, God uh, God's grace and mercy for to our advantage, even though he loves us dearly and he wants us to get to where he, we, he wants us to be in him. Many times we take our focus off of him and he's not the preeminent source, amen, of our of daily living. So so when we look at this thing, when God wants to change us, he starts by getting our attention. He does this by putting us in frustrating situations that are completely beyond our control. God uses experiences and problems and crises to get our attention. If we are experiencing a crisis right now, and we are, it's because God is getting ready to change us for the better. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that God is changing the church for the better. I believe that all of this ain't bad when it comes to the church trying to learn how to be creative and innovative in reaching people beyond the four walls of our church. We got these teachers on saying the church has left the building, and that is so true. Because we've been preaching to you for the last 10, 15 years that the building is not the church. The building is not the church. So, 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 so God will use the crisis to get our attention. Amen. He, he wants to, he's, he's getting us ready to, for, to better, to better us. Human nature is, is something else, which y'all agree with me. We tend to not change until we get fed up with our current situation. Until we get uncomfortable and discontented and start feeling miserable, right? When we, when we become uncomfortable and miserable enough, we finally are motivated to let God do something in our lives. Let me just give a point of illustration. Have y'all ever, any of y'all that are like me, have you ever uh, uh, got up one morning and then you look at yourself in the mirror and like, you say, this don't make no sense. Anybody ever been there before? I know I've done it before. I got in the mirror and I looked at uh, my midsection, I said, you know what, as a former college athlete, this don't make no sense. And, 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 and if you look at that long enough and get frustrated enough, it'll move you to go do something. Now, the problem that we have, the problem I have sometimes, it moves me to go do something, but sometimes I don't follow up on doing what it moved me to do. Because I forgot about how frustrated I, I, I looked at myself when I looked in the mirror. And I know some of you ladies out there can say the same thing. Some of you brothers can say the same thing. That sometimes you look, you look in the mirror and say, this, this just don't make no sense. I got to do something. And that frustration will move you to action. Guys, look at, look at with me in Philippians chapter number three. Now let's let's kind of walk through the scripture here for a, tech, for a little bit. Because that same concept of, 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 of being discomforted, being put in a crisis situation to, to cause us to look beyond where we are and to cause us to try to do something about where we are in, in life, to get our mind, to lose our mind and take on the mind of Christ like the Bible teaches us to do. Philippians chapter number three, verse number 15. We're going to begin our reading there. 
and talking about and asking you the question, have you lost your mind? And that's a, that, that, that question can go either way. I just told you the negative side of it. But the positive side of there's some stories that are out there, and I'll share some of those with you next week on the positive side of this. Have you lost your mind? People are doing things in this pandemic that, that are unbelievable. People are showing the love of God, and people are going beyond themselves. There's one woman who, 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 who's, who wanted to bless her community, and she put out there on, uh, on the public sphere, if you, if you, she said, if you, if you need $20, I'm not going to ask you any questions. Just, just, just write me, give your name number, and I'm going to send you $20. She's had people take up on that. Now, there's others who are doing other phenomenal things to help people during this time of need. I believe God wants the church to shine in the midst of this global pandemic. So watch, but but the church can't shine if we keep losing our minds in a negative sense. If we if we cower in fear, if we if we if we're at a point to where we are paralyzed because of uh, of demonstrative fear that's gripped us, we won't be able to walk in line with God's will for our life. Paul said, let this mind be in you. That's also in Christ, which means that I have a part to play in that. Watch what the text says. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on what? These things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Amen. I believe God will make it plain to you. Keep reading. Uh, But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Verse 17. Let's read. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who do what? Follow our example. Next verse. Verse 18 says, for I have told you often before, and I said again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, let's read. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. 20 and 21. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. 21 says he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control, under his control. Now, go back to verse number 15. Let's read it from the King James Version of the Scripture. Verse 15 of the book of Philippians, chapter number 3, from the KJV. Watch what it says. I want you to read along with it. It says, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. 16 and 17, right quick. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Let us mind the same thing. Brothers, be followers together, me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Now, let's, let's, let's see if we begin to unpack some of these things, amen? Because, again, uh, I, I said that God will, in order to change us, in order to transform us, he will allow a crisis, a problem, an irritation or a frustration in our lives to get our attention. He will allow it. He doesn't have to send it, but he'll allow it. And he, whether he sent it or he allowed it, he'll use it. Can I get a witness? Some stuff we blame on God, the devil did. But even though the devil did it, God will use what the devil did to get us where we need to be. 
So, so, so he sees those problems. He, he, he needs to do this because most of us, I need y'all to hear me carefully. Most of us in our human fallible selves, most of us will not change until we are forced to change. Most of us won't consistently do the will of God unless God continues to try to mold and shape us and to redirect situations around our lives to get us to the point where we look up to him faithfully and consistently all the time. So so we're talking about losing our mind today because he says that this whole concept of perfect in this last part of this third chapter of Philippians is about maturing and growing into the person God has ordained us to be. Watch this now as we close up this third chapter. This, this, this third chapter, the whole concept of uh, 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 perfect is, is, is about maturing and growing into the person that God has ordained for us to be. Now, let's, let's look at three stages of perfection because that word sometimes bothers us when we see it in the KJV. But let's, let's take a look here and, and, and make sure that we can kind of get some understanding. There are three stages of perfection. Number one, there is perfect relationship. Perfect relationship. See, the moment that you invite Christ to come into your heart to save you and you meant that. In other words, you sincerely said, God, I, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. First of all, God, I believe I need to be saved. I know that I'm not good enough. I don't have enough good deeds to get me into your presence. I am a human being that needs a savior. Because mankind can be so prideful in itself that he thinks he's good enough to get before a holy God. But God lets us know that, that the only way you can come into his, into his space is, is to be perfect. And guess what? None of us are perfect. And because none of us are perfect, none of us have the ability to go into the presence of a holy God without being struck, struck down dead on the spot. But God made a way for us to be able to do that. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. He shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So, so, so God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and was buried, he was crucified, buried, and resurrected. And we trust in that as the mechanism to get us in the right standing with God. Go to Colossians chapter 2 with me right quick. And let's look at verse number 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. So, so first of all, the stage of perfection, we have perfect relationship. Perfect relationship doesn't mean that we as individual human beings, never do anything wrong. But the fact that we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, that puts us in right standing with God. Prior to Christ, I was out of right standing with God. I was at enmity with God. I was at odds with God. But now that I've received Christ as my Lord and Savior, now I'm in perfect relationship. Look at what the text says here in Colossians 2, verse number 6. Let's read it together. It says what? And now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. I like that you must continue to follow him. And now, next verse, verse number seven, we'll read them and I'll come back and explain. Let your roots grow down deep, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. We're talking about losing our mind. Because most of us, when we're honest about it, we, we spend too much time uh, you know, living life based on how we think and we refuse or we are not even cognizant of the, of, of the fact that, that our mind is not thinking on things that are above. There's a scripture that says that if you then be risen with Christ, seek, set your affection on things above. Set your mind on things above and not on things on this earth. 
So do you live life through, through the vantage point of the prism of heaven or do you live life through the vantage point of where you grew up at? In the grove, in the hood, wherever, it, it, on the lake. Are you living life through that prism or are you allowing the word of God to transform the way you look at life? Look at verse number, look, look, at, look, look at what it says here. It says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Verse number eight says what? Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from what? Thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ, rather than Christ. Nine and 10, let's read it. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. The fullness of the Godhead was manifested in Christ Jesus being born in a manger in Bethlehem and died on the cross of Calvary. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. God, Jesus Christ, although he was fully man, he was fully God. And he's the manifestation of God in human flesh. Verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and thought. So you also are complete, perfect relationship through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So so we got perfect relationship. We are perfect because of our position in Christ. This perfection is absolute and it's unchangeable. And it is this perfect relationship, guys, that guarantees that we will one day be completely perfect when we see Jesus Christ face to face. So we got perfect relationship. Then we have perfect progress. Go to Colossians 3, 13 and 14. We have what we call perfect progress. Because, guys, here's what we got to understand. When a person makes a decision for Christ, that positions you into the body of Christ. You're, you're, you're in perfect relationship. Now I once was lost. Now I'm found. Now I'm in the body of Christ. All right? My position is in Christ. But I got to, while I'm living here on this earth, even though I'm saved in the family of God, there is a progression, amen, to my confession. There is a progression to my sanctification. So, to be sanctified don't mean you belong to a certain apostolic or, or, or Pentecostal church. Sanctification has everything to do with being set apart for God's use and for his glory. So I am sanctified. I am positioned in Christ. But while I'm here, I got to my sanctification is positional and it's progressive, just like my maturity is progressive. There will be some things that don't bother you today that may have bothered you 15 years ago when you first got saved. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about you. There are some things that you should be over and and shouldn't be still whining and having a pity party about since you've been saved 15 years now. God needs you in the midst of this pandemic to be a strong warrior who can shine the light of the gospel and give hope and encouragement during these desperate times that we're living in. But you can't do that if you hadn't lost your mind. Yeah, yeah, you still got that Cedar Grove mind. I, I, I ain't hating on you if you're from Cedar Grove. Some of y'all still got that West Texas mind. Some of y'all still got that New Orleans mind. Any, any New Orleans folk in the house? Some of y'all still got that Benin, Louisiana mind. And God says, I want to change your mind. I want you to lose your mind and take up the mind of Christ. Look at what the text says here. Watch this. Colossians 3.13. Here's our mindset. So it's progressive. Uh, 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 
our perfection, our maturity, because the word perfect there in the KJV means mature. When, he, when, 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 when Paul said uh, what he said in that third chapter, when he says uh, uh, in verse number 15, let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded. He's talking about being mature. Now watch what he says here. Here's the body of Christ. Make allowance for each other's faults. Now see, a mature person, they won't enable you in your sin, but they will, in other words, they won't just keep overlooking your sin and don't say anything, but they will, they won't cast you away when they know your imperfections. Because guess what, guys? We all have them. Right? We all have them. Make allowance for each other's faults. And here's a big one, guys. Here's how you know you're really progressing in your maturity. Here's how you know your perfection is your, your, your maturity is growing and you're being perfected. He says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who does what? Who offends you. Now, that's, that, that's, that's deep there because many people have a problem for, forgiving people who've hurt them deeply. But the text says, forgive anyone who offends you. Make allowances for others' faults. Ain't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how we fickle human beings are? We, we love and we want people to, to make an allowance for our faults. And we want people to understand that we really, really didn't mean it that way. We're sorry to hurt their feelings. But when they do that to us, we, we want to nail them to the cross. We want to crucify them. Guys, if we're going to be biblical, here's how you can tell if you're mature or not. When you make allowance for others' faults and when you forgive people who offend you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you, uh, you, can, you can if you want to, right? I mean, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you don't really want to, you don't do that forgiveness thing very, very well. So it's okay because, you know, you love the Lord, but you ain't going to forgive nobody. Let me tell you something. Look at what the, verse, look, look at what the text says. With your messed up mind. You don't lost your mind, but it ain't the, you, ain't, you didn't replace it with the mind of Christ. If you think that you can be okay with God and your vertical relationship with God and be off-centered and, and out of whack in your horizontal relationship with people, you are sorely mistaken. Because here's why this is so important. God uses us to minister to people. And if we're sitting here thinking we're okay with God, but we're all out of whack with people and we're too afraid to even go to them and share with them like Jesus told us to. We're sitting here with our own mind still there. And I'm going to ask the question today. And you look at your neighbor that you're sitting next to right now and say, have you lost your mind? Just ask, ask, I want you to look at them in the eye. And if you're husband and wife, y'all probably already said this sometime before, but you know, but you know, I want you to say it again. Have you lost your mind? Remember, the Lord forgave, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive Others, that's not optional, guys. Now, with, with forgiveness, forgiveness don't mean that you don't deal with the situation and that you don't, you don't deal with the hurt. Some people think forgiveness means, okay, uh, you say you forgave me, we can't talk about it. Let's move on. Let's, no, 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 no. See, even after you forgive someone, you got to process the emotional damage that was, that, that call, that was caused as a result of your action. So be willing, if you're going to really restore the relationship, you got to be willing to go through the process of restoring the relationship because many times... When people do stuff to offend us or hurt us deeply, it causes emotional scarring that cannot be healed if you don't talk through it. And that's the problem that a lot of us have. We want to just move on, don't want to talk about it. It may be painful for you, you may be remorseful, but you got to talk about it. Amen? 
Now watch what the text says. So, so remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Verse 14. Let's read it out loud and on purpose. Come on, guys. Perfect progress. Above all, do what? Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Above all, clothe yourself. You, you, listen, if you're trying to love the unlovable in your own strength, you'll never make it. There are some folks who you can't love without the love of God. I would even submit to you this, this, this premise. True love, I mean, true love, I mean, true, true forgiveness cannot be brought forth unless you have the love of God abiding on the inside of you. It won't, it, 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 you can't do it. Some folks... You can't even get along. You can't live with except the Lord give you grace and mercy to do so. Do y'all have anybody like that in your life? I need you to look me in the eye. Do you have anybody like that in your life where the Bible says as much as life in you live peaceably with all men? Some people make it hard, but listen, it's not an excuse for us to, 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 to go the other, to the other side. I want you to lose your mind and do what Christ did. Can I get away? So we got perfect progress. We can grow and mature spiritually as we trust Christ, learn more about him and draw close to him and obey him. Our progress is changeable because it depends on our daily walk. At times in life, we mature more than at other times, which y'all agree. There are times when in your, in your walk with the Lord where you, you're progressing. There are other times if you're not careful, you get into a little spiritual rut. You're not really studying your Bible. You're not really praying like you like you used to. As a matter of fact, your attendance uh, to to Sunday morning church before this pandemic took place, you wouldn't come in half the time anyhow. Hello, and so and you were you were disobeying what Hebrews says, forsaking not the assembly yourselves. Again, now we're assembling virtually, but I believe that even with that, we 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 don't utilize that as a tool in our toolbox because I don't believe there's any substitute. For one-on-one, eyeball-to-eyeball, personal interaction. And many of us in this age of social media have, 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 have become deficient in our social interaction skills. We're afraid to talk to people. We're afraid to look people in the eye and share information and to talk about the things of God. Those relationships are very important to the discipling process. So, so we got perfect progress. In other words, uh, our maturity is an ongoing thing. None of us should be the same way we were when we first got saved. We are growing toward perfection if we are really working toward it. Our progress is changeable. The, the good works that we do don't perfect us. Rather, as God perfects us, we do the good works. I like what Ephesians, the second chapter says, verse 8 through 10. Can y'all go there with me right quick? Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 8 through 10. Very, very uh, familiar passage of scripture, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Let's look at that right quick. Glory to God. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Verse 9 says what? Salvation is not a reward for the good things. Watch this. We have done. So none of us can boast about it. Nobody in here can boast about their goodness and how they did this and how they're in favor with God because they did this. Our salvation is not based on our goodness. Look at what verse 10 says. Watch this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. So the, 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 the works don't perfect us. But as God perfects us, as he matures us, we do good works for him. 
The KJV reads this way, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The good works didn't save us, but we are created in Christ Jesus to do the good works. So we got perfect relationship, we got perfect progress, and we got, lastly, we got complete perfection or completely perfect. And that's where we get back to Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Let's read that real quickly. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. Glory to God. The text says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. No, stop. Park right there. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If like no other time in history should we as a church be looking for our Savior to come back. We don't know the day nor the hour, but the Bible is very clear and it teaches about the fact that there is going to be a catching away of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is going to crack the sky. Y'all know First Thessalonians 4 and 13 uh, through the end of that chapter. I love to read that at every funeral for a believer who's gone on to be the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There is a rapture of the church that's taking place. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. Now, the Bible says this. If we have that hope in us, if we truly, honestly believe that Jesus could come back at any moment, then that should regulate our lifestyle. That should cause us to not want to be doing something that we shouldn't be doing because Christ could come at any moment. He could come right in the middle of your cuss. He could come right in the middle when you just stepped inside that motel room with somebody who wasn't your wife or your husband and come at that very moment. He could come right when you're plotting against somebody to try to bring them down because they made you mad. When you expect Christ to come, it's your government. The Bible says you will purify yourself when you have that hope in you. Now, my question today is, if you're not about the process of purifying yourself, do you really have that hope in you? Are you really looking for Christ to come back? I will submit to you that a lot of Christians, because they hadn't lost their mind, they're not looking for him to come back. They just do in church. And, and, and here, here's what we're going to understand when this pandemic is over. Church, God is trying to do something through us. He's trying to, to force us to change the way we do church life. Because I really, I'm really, guys, if, if we're honest about it, the church in America, in a lot of cases, has been passionless about reaching the lost. When was the last time you baptized somebody? When was the last time you led somebody to the Lord who was not already a part of, led somebody to the Lord who was, who, who had never accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior before? When was the last time you actually baptized somebody? When was the last time you shared your testimony with somebody and, and led them to Christ? Yeah, been that long, right? Some people can't even remember doing that. And that's, and that's the very reason why God left us here so that we could be a, a, a vessel uh, to, to, he can use to reach others for the cause of Christ. So complete perfection will come when Jesus Christ comes for his church. The Bible says we're going to be changed in the moment of the tweaking of an eye. We're going to be different. We're going to have a glorified body. We're going to be just like Christ. All phases of perfection are grounded in faith in Christ Jesus and what he has done. Not what we can do for him. We can't perfect ourselves. How many of y'all know that's true? Only God can work in and through us 
until the day that Christ comes back. So when we see Christ face to face, we will have complete perfection. Well, so let's, let's talk about this for a second because I said lose your mind. Let's talk about the mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. The mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. Let's read that right quick and then we go to Romans 8 and 6. The mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. Because I'm asking you the question, have you lost your mind? And, 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 and really, if the truth be told, many of you sitting out there listening to me can answer yes to that in both the negative and the positive. You've been in a situation where you, you allow uh, something, situation, some person to cause you to act beyond to do something that was not in, in line with your profession of faith. Christ said through the apostle Paul, he said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. It says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Watch this, okay? People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. God's spirit it's, God, Jesus told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you confident. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who, who, will, be, who will walk alongside you and, and will be your strength in this, in, this, in this time that we're living here on earth. So it says, so the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us truth. You cannot understand the Bible just from a, 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 just from a theological educational standpoint. There are revelatory truths that can only be pulled out by way of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, all, we, we, we have to understand context. We have to understand who, write it, who wrote the Bible, who he wrote it to, what were they dealing with in that particular se- section, because it's too easy for folks to take Scripture and pluck it out of context to make it say what they want to say. Understand the context, because the Bible, God, God's Word will never uh, contradict God. So if you tell me God told you something, and what you say God told you doesn't line up with Scripture, you lying. Or let me put it this way. You're mistaken. You thought you heard the Lord. If it's not lined up with scripture, you didn't hear the Lord. Go with me to Romans, the eighth chapter, verse number six. Talk about the mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. Watch this. Romans eight, verse number six, the mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. Let's go real quick. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace. Let's read one more time. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, according to this verse, there are two minds. There is the mind of the flesh and there is the mind of the spirit. Now, again, this doesn't mean that you got two brains, does it? It simply means that we receive, listen, we receive information from two different sources. We receive information from two different sources. We get information from our natural mind, which operates without the Holy Spirit, and we get information from our spirit through which the Holy Spirit communicates directly to us. There's a passage that says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is where the Holy Spirit abides and he communicates with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit is going to speak to our spirit man and our spirit man if, 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 if it will give us direction for our life if we will listen to it. So, so, so the first thing is, based on what we see, go back to 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, verse number 16. 
First thing is, we have the mind of Christ. If you are born again believer, you have the mind of Christ. If you are born again believer, you have the mind of Christ. But now, here's what I'm going to tell you. That because you are saved, your capacity to understand spiritual truths is there, but you got to grow and develop. You got to re- lean and rely on the Holy Spirit to help you to understand the things of God. When you try to understand God based off of your intellect, you're going to be in trouble. For the text says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But watch what it says. But we understand. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He says, but we understand these things. Why? For we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. But I just told you that the, the mind of the flesh is there also along with the mind of the spirit. The mind of Christ is the mind of the spirit, the same thing. But, but we got the mind of the flesh. See, that flesh, fleshly mind is there talking to us, saying, you know, yeah, man, I tell you what, I wouldn't do that. You know, times are hard. Why are you still tithing and giving to the church? You don't know what's going to happen. You better keep all the money you can. Well, the spirit of God says, trust me, I will provide. I provided for you all this time. I haven't let you down before. What makes you think a little global pandemic is going to cause me to not be faithful to you? My faithfulness may come in a different way, in a different manner, but I'm going to be faithful to you. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for this church here at EBC, Elizabeth Baptist Church. You guys have done an awesome job of continuing to support the work of ministry. You, you, you guys have, have extended beyond, and I thank God for you. It enables us to continue to do the things we're doing. Outreach ministry, missions still going on. Radio outreach is still going on. Supporting Common Ground Ministry is still going on. Uh, the, 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 the monthly support to our church in Haiti is still going on. Because you chose to trust God. Glory to God. So we have the mind of Christ. So, but now, again, you got the fleshly mind they're talking to. Because the, 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 the fleshly mind, the carnal mind, is there talking because he doesn't really want to give up the, uh, the, uh, the throne. Your flesh still wants to do what your flesh likes doing. Can I get two amens out there? You're not proud of it, but your flesh still wants to be fleshy. And if you're not careful, you'll lose the mind of Christ. In other words, you won't be thinking like Christ. Even though you made a profession of faith, you'll start acting like somebody who don't know Christ. And your ability to reach the world will be stunted because of you following the carnal mind, the mind of the flesh. Okay? Who can earth the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. The Bible says that we are not to be led by our carnal mind, but by the Holy Spirit who indwells in us. The Holy Spirit can enlighten our minds. We got two minds, the fleshly mind, the mind of the flesh, but the mind of the spirit. The problem is that although we have the mind of Christ and know the word of God, we oftentimes don't listen to our spirit which is being enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Instead, we listen to our natural mind. Which how many of y'all have ever got, I need you to raise your hand out there, and you sit on your couch. How many of y'all have ever got in trouble or, 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 or experienced less than God's best because you followed your fleshly mind rather than the spiritual mind? Anybody out there? Anybody out there say, well, you know, Pastor, I got in my flesh. I went to that store, and because uh, somebody made me mad, I said some stuff, Pastor, that I shouldn't have said. And yes, Pastor, I had my EBC t-shirt on. And on the back, it had Pastor Doyle. All take that shirt off. Don't you go in that store again with my name on your back. Walking according to your fleshly mind. Guys, let me tell you something. And again, none of us are perfect, but we got to 
what we understand is we got to have a lifestyle that's indicative of the fact that we're following Christ. If we don't, nobody's going to believe our testimony. Because if I say I love God, then it ought to be evident in my life. If I say I love God, there will be some things that, that as, as the Bible says, should not be named among us. All right. So we have the mind of Christ. Uh, the, the next thing I want you to just make a note of, we live out of the spirit, not our head. We live out of the spirit and not our head. Go to Romans, the eighth chapter verse. Well, now let's keep moving. We, we live out of the spirit and not out of our head. Y'all with me today? See, Satan never moves against strength. He, all, he only moves against us. In, it, he, he likes to move against our weak areas. Evil spirits constantly bombard us with negative thoughts. Okay? If we receive them and dwell on them, they become ours because the Bible says, as a man in Proverbs 23 and 17, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay? When you're thinking this stuff, that means that, that, that and, 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 and this stuff starts coming out of your heart, that's what's in there. Are you with me? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaking. So if we accept the lies of the devil as reality, then they will become reality. To us, because our faith, our belief is in, in those things that, 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 we're, that we're speaking. People speak generally what's in their heart. Eventually, if you're full of something, it's going to come out of your mouth. Out of the bunch of the heart, the mouth speaking. So, so again, uh, we live out of the spirit. As believers, we live out of the spirit, not, our, not out of our head, not out of our natural mind, not out of that carnal mind. So we got, we got to think about the mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. Third thing I want you to just make a note of is we can't afford to be double-minded. We can't afford to be double-minded. James 1a says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I don't want to be walking in ministry, uh, and, and, and especially I can't, I or nobody else can afford to be in leadership and ministry and be double-minded. Double-minded means that I, I, I'm, I'm just as apt to go with the flesh as I am the spirit. One day I'm here, I'm doing well. The next day I'm doing something crazy. So that nobody who's watching my life has any confidence that I even know who Jesus Christ is. So the mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. We can't afford to be double-minded. Double-mindedness causes instability. To be double-minded means that your mind is trying to tell you one thing, the fleshly mind, and your spirit is trying to tell you just the opposite. The mind of Christ is what we got to lean on. Remember what Paul said? Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So, so let, let's go back, go back to Philippians chapter 3 and we're going to close this chapter out. So, so we have this scenario happening in the church. Fleshly mindset, spiritual mindset. Paul says something here in Philippians chapter 3. The last thing he tells them is mark those who walk as examples. Make note of those who walk as example, which means that I'm not going to make note of those who don't walk as example. In other words, I'm not going to be focusing on and following somebody who's, who's, not, who's not letting the mind of Christ saturate their thought process. Mark those who walk as example. Look at what it says in, in Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 17. Let's read it right quick. Philippians 3, verse number 17 says, Dear brothers and sisters, Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. And I got a question for you. I ask this question quite often. If everybody in the church 
was just like you, what kind of church would we have? I need you to ponder that question right now. If everybody in the church was just like you, could we keep the lights on? You ain't gave but $20 the whole last year, but you made $100,000. It, it, it wasn't that you couldn't, but you just didn't. If everybody was just like you, would the church be empty? Not because of the pandemic, but we entered because you got mad and left and went home and pouted for two weeks. You over the children's ministry. The baby's over there waiting for you to teach, but you're at home mad because somebody upsets you. If everybody was just like you, what kind of church would we have? That's a sober. Everybody said, thank God that the whole church is not like me. Now, I love you, but we don't need everybody to be like you. I don't need all y'all to be like me. Amen. I need some folks who have different giftings than I do. And then, listen, listen to me. See, an insecure leader gets, gets sort of antsy when others have giftings that complement the body and they start pulling back because they're afraid that somebody's going to take their place. Good leaders want to bring people up under them and want those people who are coming up under them to do serve just as well or better than them. I want every last one of y'all here to do better than me. Every minister, I want you to Preach, amen, far beyond what I could preach. See, because as you grow, the church grows. So some, he says, he says, dear brothers, this is patting your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. No believer should ever claim or think that he has come anywhere close to being perfect in the sense of sinless perfection. But every believer should follow Christ with so much commitment and so much diligence that he is a dynamic example to others. Are you really fervent about your walk with the Lord? Are you really passionate? Now listen, let, let, me, let me help y'all out there who are fooling yourself. If you, don't, if you don't spend much time studying God's word, if you don't spend much time praying to God, you're, I don't care what you say, you're not passionate about God. Because passion shows up, come on, we know it, passion shows up in how we relate to somebody. Or something. There are some folks who are passionate about football. They may not give a dime to the church, but they'll buy LSU season ticket and spend three thousand dollars every home game going to to cheer the LSU Tigers on or whatever your favorite team. There, there are folks who won't give a dime in church, but they hadn't missed a Bayou Classic in thirty years. You're passionate about certain things. When you're passionate about a person, you'll spend time with that person. Man, I was passionate about my wife when we were dating. I'm still passionate about it. You know, sometimes the passion is less than, I mean, you're married 34 years. Sometimes, some days, you, you say, okay, passion, where are you? Because you know how you go through those little things. You know how sometimes, sometimes you have heated fellowship. Come on, can we, can we be honest? Can we talk? But the good part about it, see, that heated fellowship, because we have the mind of Christ, does not sidetrack us, and we're on our way to divorce court. But, but you know, sometimes... But I'm still passionate. You know, she came. She was. She had. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. All right. That was yesterday. I told my wife. I said, "Girl, you look fine." She had. She had a little, little muscle shirt on and and some exercise pants. And I said, "Baby, I can say that. That's my wife." Ooh, that preacher. They're talking about it, that. That's my wife. That ain't my woman. That's my wife. And I'm passionate about my wife. 
Can I get five guys out there say, I'm passionate about my wife? So that's why we be chasing y'all out around the house. If the Lord don't help me. Okay. Some walk as examples, 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 examples. Listen, listen to right. I'm going to just read some scripture right quick. I got to get you out of here. First Corinthians 4, 16 says, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. That's Paul talking. He said in First Corinthians 11 and 1, be ye followers of me, even as I, I, even as I, even as I also am of Christ. Don't follow me if I'm walking according to my fleshly mindset. Follow me, Paul says, as I follow Christ. He says in Philippians 3 and 17, brethren, be followers together with me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. He said in Philippians 4 and 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's Philippians 4 and 9. Philippians, 1 Thessalonians 1 and 6 says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. Paul said, you follow us and the Lord. See, there will be some people who are following your example. Not following you per se because of you, but there will be somebody in your circle of influence who is following your example as you live for Christ. Amen. He says this in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 7, for yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Please, child of God, don't lose your mind and begin to walk in a disorderly fashion while we are moving through this time that we're living in. Some of the stuff I read to you at the beginning of the sermon was folks who lost their mind from a negative standpoint. I want you to lose your mind and replace it with the mind of Christ. Paul said, as he encouraged young Timothy, 1 Timothy 4 and 12, he says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Be an example of the believers. 2 Timothy 1 and 13 says, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So some walk as examples, but then there's Many who walk as enemies of the cross. Look at verse 18 and 19 of Philippians 3 and 18. We're going to close it out. Some, many walk as enemies of the cross. He says, for I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, interesting enough, Paul is writing this to the church, and he's talking about people who are in the church. In particular, he's talking about some Judaizers and others who were trying to manipulate the, the scriptures of God and trying to mix grace and law. Trying to say it's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus, amen, uh, 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 baptized a certain way. It's Jesus plus dietary restrictions. It's Jesus plus observing certain holy days. And that's what gets you right before God. He says they become enemies of the cross because the cross don't need no help. The, the Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross as the mechanism to get us in right standing before God does not need any help. His graceful death on the cross is sufficient to save all of us if we'll only believe. So we don't need the other stuff. See, we're saved and we do good works because we're saved. We don't do good works to get saved. The cross is sufficient. So there are many of them that are walking as enemies of the cross. And this is one of the most important passages in the Bible. It has to do with the example we set before the world and before our families and friends. 
The way, listen to me carefully, the way we live and what we do influences people. Don't you make no mistake about it. The way we live and what we do influences people. We may not want to influence them, but it does not matter whether we want to or not. They are influenced by how we live. Family, friends, children, everyone who knows us, who watch us, they watch us and they follow both the good and the bad of our example. And it may be conscious or unconscious, it may be intentional or unintentional, we may be willing, we may not be willing for them to follow in our steps, it doesn't matter. They follow our example. Your children follow your example. Some of your children just like you. Hello? Just like your mama. You you just like your daddy. Uh, it, It happens. Amen? We influence people by how we live and by what we do. So Mark, many walk as enemies across, and lastly, the believer is a citizen of heaven. That's what Paul wants them to know. Because we, our citizenship is not here on earth, we are citizens of heaven. We are only ambassadors down here. So we, got to, we need to start acting like where we're from. Any of y'all parents ever told you, boy, you don't forget where you're from? I think Jesus asked some of us, have you forgotten where you're from, where your citizenship is? It's in heaven and not here on earth. So guys, mark those who walk as examples. Amen. The believer is a citizen of heaven. That's the last. So our citizen of heaven. So now listen, have you lost your mind? Have you, have, have you lost your mind and allowed the mind of Christ to permeate throughout your thinking and your process of doing life? It's not enough just to say I'm, I'm saved. God's looking for every one of us to be an example. Amen. To others so they can follow our example. So they can, as we follow Christ. Have you lost your mind?